0: come on amen amen hey you may be seated thank you so much i'm so excited to be here today hey who's excited to be in church today come on turn to your neighbor and say i'm so excited to see you today at church man there's a lot of energy Eleven fifteen. i love it a lot of energy in the room you guys feeling energized a little extra sleep today you know, I'm excited that we had church because we had to cancel it last week. You know, this past Thursday actually started snowing again. You know, a little bit of flurries, got a little, little bit on the road. I started getting text messages from people being like, is there a church on Sunday? I'm just checking, just want to make sure. And so I'm excited that we get to have church today. We get to be in person online. We get to be a part of your household today. And, and I was reminded by like a Facebook memory recently that how much I love Virginia. Okay, and here's the reason why. Before I moved to Virginia, I've been here for like six and a half years My wife and I, when I first started pastoring, when I was 20 years old, we actually pastored in Niagara Falls, New York, okay? Who's ever been in Niagara Falls? Yes, some, some, yeah, come on, Niagara Falls, all right, representing today in Virginia. Well, Niagara Falls is, yes, go Bills, I won't get into that, but yes, go Bills, Niagara Falls is amazing in the summertime, but not so much in the wintertime, okay? Because in any moment, it can drop like 18 inches of snow. Like, it's called lake effect snow. It can come out of nowhere. And um, there was this one time, actually, it was really amazing. I want to show you a picture of it. This Facebook memory just popped up on my my Facebook account. And there was this one time that the falls actually froze over, okay? So, like, it only happened a couple times in a century. And so the falls froze froze over, and this is a picture of the falls frozen over. Actually, this is my wife right here. She's super excited to be there. You can tell right now. And we got a chance. They opened up this attraction called the Cave of the Winds, and you were able to, like, walk out. It was like a deck you could walk out to, but the deck was just full of ice. This is the American Falls. We were able to, like, walk to the foot of the falls, and it was just frozen over. But I got to tell you, I'm so excited that God has called me to Virginia and, and, and that he's called me out of Niagara Falls, because this was normal. And so I'm excited to be here. I'm glad we can have church. Thank you for being with us. In fact, we had an amazing 21 days of prayer yesterday, even though I know it snowed a little bit. We had people in the house here. We have 21 days of prayer that's continuing this week. You can watch us online at 7, or if you are able to join us in person, you can. But I want you to mark your calendar. We're concluding 21 days of prayer on Saturday. It doesn't matter if you've been with us the whole time, or you're just picking up right now, or you only get to come to one thing If you can, mark your calendar. This Saturday, 9 a.m., we're going to close it out. It's going to be an amazing time. Who's enjoyed 21 days of prayer? Come on in the room. If you've been able to watch us online, we've had a prayer team. I love our prayer team, praying over all the prayer requests. This is a great season, church, that, you know, as you start the year out, that you just get to really reset. And and I love it. Like, you get to just kind of lean back and say, Lord, we're going to trust you with the present. We're going to trust you with the future, God. We're going to give it to you. And that's what we've been doing, 21 days of prayer. Well, hey, like Pastor Brandon mentioned, KJ mentioned, we've been in this series called Overcoming, and I'm excited to share today, continue in our series. Let me move you away from the ice picture so you don't feel too cold right now as you look at that. But I want you to jump into Nehemiah chapter 2, if you don't mind. You can open up your Bibles. We're going to jump right into it. We've been in this series, like I say, called Overcoming, and the truth is this. How many know we all have something to overcome? Amen? We've either been overcoming something, or maybe you're in the like presently overcoming something, or at some moment, you will be overcoming something. And we've been looking at the life of Nehemiah, and there's so much that we can learn from him. But today, what I want you to grab is that my hope for you today is that you recognize any time that God leads you, no matter where he prompts you to go, to do something meaningful, to make a difference, something that's generous, something that benefits someone else, something that is lasting and true and real, you can expect opposition, you can expect pushback. So today, what I want to do is I want to talk about overcoming opposition. Because anytime you decide, if it may be 2022, hey, I'm gonna do all these great things. Anytime you take a step forward, the truth is, is that you can count on obstacles being present as you make those steps. You know, you can experience spiritual resistance when it, that can try to slow you down. And in fact. If you look through all the stories of the Bible, I mean, you just see this happening from from Genesis all the way to Revelation. There's always these amazing characters who are ready to take steps forward, but then they are met with resistance. I mean, you think about Adam and Eve. They had the serpent, right, who who was trying to trip them up bring temptation and bring distraction. You had Moses who had Pharaoh. He had the Red Sea, all these different obstacles. David, the shepherd boy who had Goliath. You know, Jesus had Herod. He had the Pharisees. You know, he had Jewish leaders. He even had one of his own disciples, Judas, right? He had the devil, demons. Listen, Batman had Joker. Rocky had the Russian, and for my boys, Tom had Jerry, okay? I mean, you name it, it doesn't matter. You always see that no matter what you try to do when you move forward, that there's something that meets you with resistance. And for Nehemiah, we're going to learn today, he had Sambalat and Tobiah and others who were opposing the great work that he was stepping into. And if you're new in the series, I just want to give you a little heads up of who Nehemiah was. As we're jumping into this series, we had a first week, second week, great weeks, if you want to watch it back on the replay. But who, who is Nehemiah? Nehemiah is this ordinary guy. He's this cupbearer to the king Artaxerxes who's in Persia. And he heard about the trouble and the pain that had been taking place in the land that he was from. And some historians say it was probably about thousands of miles away from where he was presently working. And he knew about his people who were in a horrible situation because their city had been destroyed by the Babylonians and because the walls had been broken down. And so here's what happened. His heart is broken. We find him in Nehemiah chapter two. His heart is broken. And I I just wanna stop for one minute and I wanna affirm all of you that it is okay to not be okay. Listen, especially right now in this season that maybe you're in, it is okay to not be okay. But the truth is this, is Nehemiah didn't leave it there. He didn't leave it there. He picked it up. And so where we're picking up and what we're going to see in this story right here is what um, God did through Nehemiah. So I want to jump right into it, Nehemiah 2. And it says this, verse 11 through 20. It says, I went to Jerusalem After staying there three days, and I set out during the night with a few others, I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem." You know, right now, what's happening in the context of this story is Nehemiah had this incredible story, the conversation with King Artaxerxes. The king begins to talk to him and and begins to stir some passion in him. Nehemiah meets the Lord and he says, I'm going to go on this journey. And he goes about a thousand miles away to Jerusalem. And it says, there were no mounts with him except the one he was riding. And by night, I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved, he says, toward the fountain gate and the king's pool. He's beginning to assess everything that he's heard about, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, it says, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate, and the officials still did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as of yet, I have said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, he says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. It says that he also told them about the gracious hand of his God and what the king had said to him. They replied at this moment when they heard Nehemiah, they said, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. But when Sambalat, the Horonite, and Sabiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and they ridiculed them. And they said this, what is this that you're doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? Nehemiah answered them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. Let's pray together today. Come on, we're gonna pray over God's word. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. For God, it constantly is guiding us into truth, Lord. It's constantly revealing new things to us. So God, I pray that we would know that you are the one that puts dreams in our hearts, God. You are the one, God, that helps us move forward, that even though we may be met with resistance, Lord, and even though opposition may be a real thing, God, you give us everything we need to rebuild. You give us everything we need, Lord God, to overcome. So Jesus, we ask you to speak to us, be with us today. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone says... Amen, amen. So here's where we're at. Nehemiah is on mission. I know that was a lot to read, but I want you to gain the context. Nehemiah is at a place where his heart is broken. God begins to bring hope into his heart. And he's at this place where he's on mission now. He had this burden in his heart. And the people of Israel right there, it says some historians say and scholars say it was probably about 100 to 140 years that these walls were broken down. And that's a, that's a lot of years, listen, to be living in a place of fearful attacks. You know, in one situation, when the walls were up, this was a, a walls that brought protection, that brought safety, that brought comfort for them. But for all these years now, then when the walls came down, they had been living in fearful attacks on edge all the time, not knowing when the next attack was going to come because their walls were down. Not only were the walls down, but the image of these broken walls, think about this, was on their mind replaying every single day they're seeing this, they're seeing the destruction, and it's almost as if this destruction and the dysfunction just became normal to them. Like this is just an everyday thing. It says for generations these walls were down. So you think about the, the kids and the grandkids that were born into something that was not whole, something that was not healthy, but became normal to them. How many know that sometimes it's easy to get used to our own dysfunction? Come on. How many know that that's so true? It's like sometimes that happens in a way where like a lot of times we can be in a place and doing something over and over again. You know, I don't know about you, but I have this car and it leaks a lot of oil, okay? So I have this decision where I can either go ahead and I can fix the oil leak and it costs a little bit of money or I can just add oil a little bit, you know, every now and then a few times. Anybody do that in the room? Come on. Is it just me? I know all the services. There were some people that felt me on this. And, you know, it was funny, one day I was getting ready to go to a meeting, and I was getting ready to, and I was leaving the church, and and before I did, you know, I had somebody that was coming with me, and I was like, hold on one second, you know, I just got to pop the hood, and and I got to take oil out of the trunk, and so I'm putting oil in the car, and like, what are you doing? I'm like, you know, isn't this normal? Like, this is, like, every day, right? Doesn't everybody have to put oil in their car? But you think about this, sometimes we can walk around in ruins, we can walk around in stuff that's been burnt down, broken down, and it just becomes normal. So Nehemiah shows up with this dream on his heart. Man, he's full of passion. It says earlier in the passage, right, that that he had this on his heart and he never shared it with anybody. He was waiting. I think that's important for us to grab a hold of. But here's the thing. He wasn't always that way. In fact, if you were here last week or if you got a chance to watch online, Pastor Brandon shared about the interaction that Nehemiah had with King Artaxerxes. And pretty much the king saw him one day and he was sad. And the king kind of called him out On his sadness and said hey what's going on Nehemiah this isn't typically who you are but for now you're a little off and Nehemiah begins to talk to him and he tells him about the despair and the things that are happening in his people and so the king says to him what is it that you want what is it that I can do for you and I want you to catch this what he does in earlier on in the chapter I think it's around verses four and six before Nehemiah responds to the king it says that he went to God first He says that he went to God first. I want you to know, if we don't choose to pray first, we can let our hopelessness, our despair, create a different narrative than God's narrative. When we don't choose to go to God first, and we respond from a place of hopelessness, we respond from a place of brokenness, we can begin to write a story that God never intended to be written in your life. But Nehemiah chooses to pray first. In fact, this is why we've always done 21 days of prayer, this is what we believe is kind of a mantra in our church that we want to choose prayer to be a first response and not a last resort. That the first time that we encounter any kind of obstacle, encounter any kind of opposition, before we begin to respond from what is natural in our mind, before we respond with what is natural from our heart, we say, instead of acting out of a reaction and an emotion, I'm going to choose to go to God first. And that's what Nehemiah did in this moment. He goes to the Lord, and the Lord begins to put this dream on his heart. And Nehemiah, he's so full of faith. He's so full of vision. He brings this message of hope to a people that have been walking around these ruins, and the response is so amazing. He says to them right here, he says this, Then I said to them, finally, he releases the dream that's been on his heart. He begins to share what God has talked to him about. He says, You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem lies in ruins. And its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. He also told them about the gracious hand of God in his life, the conversation they had with the king, how the king was affirming him. And here was the response of the people. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. How many know that hope is a game changer? Come on. How many know that hope is a game changer? That when we get to walk in hope, when we get to walk around people that are looking forward instead of looking backwards, it does something to you on the inside. You know, I heard someone once say that struggling individuals, even if they get a 10% boost of hope, almost anything becomes possible again. You know, one of my favorite books that I've read is called Hope Quotient. It's a great book by a guy named Ray Johnston, and he says this in the book. He says, picture what happens when a person of genuine hope comes into your life. Check this out. All it takes is one. In a flash, the whole atmosphere changes. The impossible actually starts to look possible again. Defeat starts to look like it can be turned into victory. Difficult things begin to look like they might actually be possible again. Courage replaces faith, and strength chases away powerlessness. How many know that hope is important, amen? Hope is so important. And God gives Nehemiah this hope. He gives him this dream. And he is excited. He lets the Israelites know. And they're all rejoicing. But I want you to understand this as we jump into the message today. As we advance, we got to know advancement always invites opposition. Come on, how many of you know this? Even as you started 2022, you know you had all these dreams and these goals of what it was going to look like, what it was going to be like. And you know this more than anybody else, that sometimes when you set your mind to something, as soon as you do that, there is opposition, as soon as you do that, there are obstacles, there's friction, there are things that keep you from achieving the things that God has laid on your heart. But I want to remind you today that this is not a coincidence. This is an intentional design to keep you from walking in the God-given right, authority, the God-given strength, the God-given dreams, the passion that he's laid on your heart. You know, I decided this 21 days of prayer to actually fast sweets and fast chocolate it's one of the things that i wanted to lay down and so i said hey for 21 days this is what i'm going to do and last week i was at in pennsylvania i had a big family reunion we were actually celebrating the life of my grandmother who had passed away she was 97 lived an incredible life and so i had family from colorado tennessee pennsylvania new york all these family it was a huge family gathering and when we're there we're hanging out all of a sudden somebody says you know what we should do today we should go to chocolate world <laughs> and i'm like what is chocolate world how does that even exist you know like, I never heard about chocolate world until I decided to start fasting chocolate. Come on, how many know that? And you think about it, in, in all that you do, all of this is not a coincidence. In fact, I love how First Peter says it. It says, be sober-minded, be watchful, for your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Man, if that's not a wake-up call, if that's not a reality check, but every time you make a move forward, the enemy's listening, and he's watching, and he's waiting. In fact, I want to say it this way. Whenever God moves in your life, the enemy also moves in your life. Whenever you take a step of faith, the enemy's right there with you to try and slow you down and to bring you back. And you think about even some of the resistance that we've seen through all of Scripture and how people were met time and time again with resistance all through the Bible. In fact, if you ever look through the Bible, every single story is a comeback story. That people were launched into faith, launched into greatness, but they were met immediately with resistance. I want you to understand this today, that maybe you've come for the first time, or maybe you're like, hey, I'm going to come back to the church for the first time, and as you're coming, you kind of get into a fight on the way here, or you're running late. Come on, how many know, maybe even happened to you today, maybe you're cursing in your car, and you didn't mean to curse in your car, but you're like, all this stuff is happening, there's ice on the road, whatever it may be, or maybe you're out of debt, right, for the first time, what happens? Then your car breaks down, and you got this $700 bill. Or what about if you start serving in the kids' ministry, right? And then all of a sudden, your first day, this kid pukes Fruit Loops up on your lap. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter. Every time you choose to do something that's compelling, something that's moving, something that takes you from here to there, you're always met with resistance. So don't be surprised when you face opposition. Because you need to understand this. The devil doesn't bother those who are not a threat. He doesn't bother those who are not a threat. You know, the, one of the services earlier when I, when I was speaking this, somebody said something to me that I was like, man, I get it. It's true. They said, hey, I hear what you're saying. Sometimes I've chosen not to move forward because I knew resistance was going to hit me. I mean, it, it's, a tru- it's a truth. It's a reality that we know that every time we take a step to try and honor God, there's like these mayday buttons that go off in hell, right? Like There's like these red flags that go off. And they're like, hey, listen, so-and-so is getting ready to do this big thing, so we're going to come and we got to create friction in their life. And if you're experiencing friction, opposition, you got to know this, that God is doing a new thing in your life. I want you to hear that today. God is doing a new thing in your life when you experience that opposition, when you experience that friction. It's really a testimony that, that something is happening and trust is required, and we have to expect spiritual opposition. Because the moment that you stepped out, the moment that you decide to advance forward, You experience this. But here's what I wanna help you understand today because I know that could be a little daunting. It's this, God is calling you to something greater than what you are in right now. He's calling you to step up, to serve, to maybe even tithe a little differently, to pray differently, to invite people to show love, not just to go to church, but actually to be the church, to reflect Jesus to people outside of these walls, and we're walking around some walls right now in our own lives where people are in need of an effusion of hope right now. How many believe that, and they know that today, more than ever, people are in need of the hope that we have and that we receive in Jesus Christ, the reaffirming the inside of our lives, the reaffirming of the revelations that God is speaking to us. And I want you to hear this today, because even if you have some hesitancy, like the one person I talked to, I want you to check this out. The reward is worth all of the resistance. The reward is worth all the resistance. There's nothing greater on this earth than walking directly in the will of God. It's exciting, It's risk-taking. It's nerve-wracking. It's living in a place where you're like, I cannot rely on myself anymore and my own abilities. I have to only rely on what God has. And I want you to know, it is a great adventure. And I believe with all my heart that it's important for us to recognize and know that we only get one shot at this life. We get one chance to rely fully on God, to surrender to him the things that maybe have become comfortable, the things that have maybe become dysfunctional in our life that we've gotten used to. And even though we know that we may face friction, we may face temptation, we may face opposition, we lay it before him because the reward is so worth all of the resistance. And so here's Nehemiah, he's excited, he begins to speak this to the people. The people say, come on, let's rebuild. And the next thing I want us to understand, because I think it's so important for us to know, is that we cannot be moved by praise or by criticism. Because as soon as you step forward, you're going to get hit with one of those and because both of those things will come, you got to understand one of them can get into your head and the other one can actually get into your heart. You know, the opposers actually begin to say to him right now, but when Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, Geshem, the Arab, they heard about what Nehemiah was doing. It says that they begin to mock and ridicule them. They say, what is this that you're doing? They ask, are you rebelling against the king? You know, Nehemiah shares what God has put on his heart People begin to get excited, and then what happens immediately? Man, there's negativity that comes their way. I want you to know there's always someone who has something to say. How many know that? There's always someone, there's some hater out there, there's someone that wants to cast shade, there's someone that wants to get in your business and tell you how it's not going to work out the way that you think it's going to work out. And a lot of times, this criticism is so easy to get inside of our heart. In fact, I believe that, if we're honest, the negativity of of our life can sometimes be the loudest noise in our ears, And I think it's so interesting what the naysayers are actually beginning to say here. It's almost as if they're they're attacking Nehemiah's credibility, his integrity. They're attacking something that's already been confirmed when they say, are you rebelling against the king? Think about this. If you back up a second, who actually gave him permission to rebuild the walls? Who actually resourced him and gave him everything that he needed to rebuild the walls? I want you to see this today, that when the work goes down, opposition begins to go up. And sometimes that opposition can come in forms of doubt, in forms of words, in forms of accusations. You know, I think it's important for us to capture this just from the Bible, but I think one person's story that is so important for us to capture this understanding from is the life of Jesus You know, Matthew chapter three, one of the most amazing moments in Jesus' life before he started his ministry. So before he actually gathered the disciples, before he began the work of the Lord, it says that he was getting baptized by John the Baptist. And then there's this incredible moment that as Jesus goes down and he's baptized, when he comes back up, it's the first time Jesus hears the audible voice of the Lord. And and the Lord says, this is my son whom I love and whom I'm well pleased in. It's just amazing moment. But literally, just a few verses later, as Jesus goes into the desert, and as he experiences temptation, the enemy comes in and says to him, if you're really the son of God, I want us to understand that a lot of times what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come in and he wants us to question the dreams, the hopes, the visions, the things that God has put in our heart. He doesn't just come and doesn't just just smash us and destroy us. He begins to say, well, did did the Lord really say? Are you really the one who's supposed to do this? Are you really supposed to make that advancement in your life, to make that change in your life? You think about Adam and Eve, and even in the beginning of the Bible, we see this where the serpent comes in. The Lord tells Adam and Eve where they shouldn't eat from, where they should eat from, the tree, the the tree they shouldn't from. And then the enemy comes in, he says, did the Lord really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? You know, the enemy's game plan is to steal, to kill, and destroy. We have to be sober-minded, We have to be on alert. We have to recognize and know that the the promises that God has placed in you, the promises that we see in scripture time and time again, the hopes, the dreams, the visions that he's placed in your heart, the enemy is aware of those things. In fact, he probably knows the word of God better than some of us know the word of God. He might even have more faith in what God can do than maybe some of us have more faith in what God can do. This is why he is on alert. He recognizes and knows if he can get into people's heads, he can keep them From moving forward into the things that God has for them. You know, I also think, too, that praise is something that can be. A distraction for us. And I know it could be interesting to say it like that. I know it can be weird to say this, but I want you to hear is Encouragement is not a bad thing, but when you start to let praise or encouragement get into your head so much, when you begin to rely on it, when you begin to look for it, when you look for the affirmation of what other people say or how much they believe in what you're doing, more than what God is saying to you, what happens is, is you begin to say, you know what? I can do this on my own. This is something that I can do. I really don't need God to do it because look at the strengths I have. Look at the abilities that I have. Look at, look at all the passion that I have. And what happens is, is when we allow praise to be the thing that dictates how we work, how we move forward, when we do or if we don't, what takes place is this, is that we lose our identity in Christ and we begin to find our identity more in what we actually do. And this is such a dangerous place for us to be in. And this is how the enemy works. He doesn't just bring criticism. Sometimes he'll even bring praise into your life so that it puffs your head up so much And what takes place here is that you begin to think that you don't need God anymore, that I can actually do this on my own. So not only does praise get into your head, criticism gets into your heart. And I believe this promise in Proverbs is so important for us to understand, and it's this today. Proverbs 4.23 says, you got to guard your heart, for above all else, it determines the course of your life. It's so important for us to guard our heart. You know, I love in the beginning of the passage, you learn and you read that Nehemiah got this word from the Lord, right? But it says, right, he didn't tell anybody about it. You know, he got this word from God and he didn't start shouting it from the rooftops, posted it on Facebook, right? Going to social media immediately, right? He got this word from the Lord and he let it sit. And I think he let it sit because he knew, man, this is a God-sized dream and I gotta really just make sure this is from the Lord and I gotta make sure that this is something that he is wanting me to do. And so in that waiting, God was building confidence inside Nehemiah. He was building trust. And then what does Nehemiah do? The first thing he does is he lets that dream be known to someone he really trusts, somebody who actually can do something about it. I want you to know a lot of times you can have dreams and passions on your heart of what the future is going to look like. You can have some great desires of what 2022 is going to look like, and you can share it to the wrong people at the wrong time. And you expose yourself immediately to the attacks of the enemy. And as soon as those attacks come in, you say, you know what? Did God really say, am I really... A Christian. Am I, you know what? All these changes I want to make, all these things I want to do differently, the truth is this, they're they're, they're calling me out. That's right, my past doesn't look that way. I've screwed up time and time again. I even screwed up yesterday. And here I am saying that, you know what? I'm going to live in 2022 far from addiction. I'm going to live in such a way where I'm going to pursue God. You know, as soon as you begin to share things too fast and with the wrong people, immediately the enemy uses it as a conduit to come in and deceive what God has placed In your heart. The question is today is this like, who are you listening to? Are you looking for praise? Are you looking for that affirmation, that next, like, attaboy? That next, man, you did great? Man, you're amazing? Are you listening to people that are just constantly criticizing you, tearing you down? Or are you, before you respond, getting before the Lord and saying, God, what is it that you would say about this? How are you leading me today? What have you put on my heart? What is the God-sized dream that I'm missing because I'm so focused on what the things of other people are saying to me? I think it's important for us like Nehemiah to really have this constant strength inside of us because I think this is so true. The external opposition in our lives will only be as loud as our internal insecurities allow them to be. And I wanna say that again because I think it's important to grasp this. The oppositions of our life are gonna come. So the external oppositions will only be as loud as my internal insecurities actually allow them to be. So getting yourself around people that are gonna speak hope into you, getting yourself around people that are gonna encourage you, build you up, people that are gonna say, hey, look, I know you have this big God-sized dream. Here's how I wanna resource you. Here's how I wanna help you. Here's how I wanna keep you accountable to it. It's huge. And Nehemiah was someone who walked with his head held high in face of opposition because he had an inner strength that wasn't rooted in what people had said, but in what God was speaking to him. And the question I have for us is, what is God speaking to you today in this moment, in this season, that the enemy's trying to silence with opposition? What are the hopes, the dreams that he's placed inside of you? You know, Nehemiah gets hit with, with these officials who begin to, to mock him, ridicule him. You know what he could have done? He could have been like, check out the papers. Look, look, look at the passageway that the king allowed me to come and do. He, look at all the things that he's gonna do. Look at the way that him and I have this. World. Look at, it. he didn't even entertain anything they said. He didn't even address anything they said. And I think, again, it's because hopelessness at times, when people respond from a place of hopelessness like these guys were, they begin to create narratives that are not true. And so Nehemiah in this moment, he doesn't even allow the criticism to attach itself to him. And I think he knew he didn't need to walk in this way because he didn't have to defend what God was doing in his life because he knew that God could defend. In fact, I said it this way, the greater the opposition against us, the greater the opportunity for God to fight for you. So Nehemiah is walking in this great opposition. He even sees more opposition. And he sits back and he says, just you watch how my God does this. Just you watch. I know you've been sitting, man, in a city where the walls have been turned down for, for 100, 140 years. I know that you've been seeing like the rubble and the destruction all these years. But, w- but watch, watch what my God does. You know, I think the theme we see throughout the entire Bible, if you think about stories like David and Goliath, like this young shepherd boy who's up against this huge warrior. Moses, when he goes to free the Israelites, he, the first obstacle he comes across is what? It's the Red Sea. You know, I mean, if it's Gideon, he had all these thousands and pound thousands of soldiers, and God's like, you got too many. And he scales them back to like 300. Listen, it doesn't matter the story. I want you to know that this, this principle is so true in our life, that the greater the opposition you face is the greater opportunity for God to fight for you. We can't run from opposition. We have to run to it. Because if we run away from it, we may miss out on the miraculous things that God wants to advance in our life. You know, Nehemiah answered them this way with such great gusto and such great faith. He doesn't allow anything they say to attach to him. And he says this to them, the God of heaven will give us success. We as servants will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. I want us to know that what we may see as ruined, God sees as rebuildable. You know what we see as destroyed, God sees as an ability to bring forth life. What we see as an obstacle, God sees as an opportunity to increase faith, to increase hope, to increase trust in him. This is why you have to constantly be reminding yourself of the faithfulness of God, of the miraculous things of God. This is why you need to understand and recognize that you are a walking miracle. Like in this room right now, you need to to recognize that today you are a walking miracle. You're in this room, you're breathing, you're alive, and that today God is saying to you that he's just beginning a work that's brand new in your life, and this is hope that he's been infusing into our story since the dawn of time. But I'll tell you this, because we're human, we have to constantly remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God. I mean, even in this moment, think about and recall the places that God has brought you to, the ways that he's... Been faithful in your life. You know, David does this in Psalms 103. He says, he tells himself, I gotta bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. And he says this, I don't wanna forget not his benefits, who forgave my sins, who healed me of my diseases, who redeemed my life from the pit, and crowns me with love and compassion, who satisfies the desires with good things so that my youth would be renewed like eagles. We've got to remind ourselves constantly of what God has done in order for us to really grab a hold of what he's about to do. And it's so vital that we do this. It's so vital that we grab a hold of it because I'll tell you right now, church, we are living in a time where hopelessness is running ranted. where despair. I mean, you look around and you can see symbols of destruction all the time. I mean, this is super like applicable and relevant to the season that we're living in right now because even though we've been in this place for a few years, like people have gotten even a little bit used to it. And you know, it, it happened like that for the Israelites. They always recognized it. They always saw But it wasn't until Nehemiah came and he began to say, let's rebuild the walls. And reminded them, like we're reminding ourselves today, that the battle belongs to the Lord. That our God is with us. That our God is for us. That he'll never leave us. That he'll never forsake us. Come on, how many know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead actually lives inside of me? We get to walk with this understanding that We can do all things through God who actually equips us and gives us the strength to do those things. We have to recognize and know and remind ourselves on the day-to-day basis that if God is for us, who can be against us? We have to know that in this world, although weapons may be formed against us, they're not gonna prosper. These are the truth of God's word that the enemy desires so much to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and to rob from us. This is what he's doing. He's looking to find ways to get into our mind, to get in our thinking, but Nehemiah is boldly declaring to everyone that God of heaven will give us success. I mean, talk about a hope-filled guy. Talk about somebody who's a let's go kind of guy. Talk about someone who is taking a situation where there's so much hopelessness, and he says, we're going to turn this around, and I want you to know that I'm so thankful. I've been able to be a part of the team here at the chapel for six and a half years, and I'm so thankful for this house because that's what we do as a church, and in fact, I'd love to give honor where honor is due and just publicly thank our pastor and how you've led us over the years and how you've led us over the last two years. We love you. We appreciate you. I mean, they don't teach you in seminary how to navigate a pandemic. Come on. But I'll tell you, Pastor Brandon is done an amazing job leading us. You know, there'd be days that we walk into staff meeting our team and And we don't know if we're going to be open, if we're going to be closed, or what we're going to do, or how we're going to do it. And Pastor Brandon and Katie are just there, and they're like, here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to get there. You know, There's something about living around people who have this this hopefulness. They have this tone of faith that just begins to encourage where we're going and what we're about to do. And I want you to know, church, I also want to thank you as a church, online, in person, that you're a church that also has a hopefulness to you. You're a church that also shows up. You're a church that's also saying, ready to rebuild, let's go, let's do this. You know, in fact, I was thinking about it as I was writing this sermon five years ago. Some of you may remember this, but five years ago, we had started 21 days of prayer. We were doing like a combination of it being online, maybe sometimes in person, getting our rhythm down. And it was a cold January five years ago. And I got a phone call from one of our building guys, Mr. D, actually, in the morning at 4 a.m. He called me at 4 a.m. Then he called me at 4.15. Then he called me at 4.30. And I'm like, something happened or someone died. You know, whenever you get a phone call early, early in the morning, you know, something's wrong, something's going down. And he, I pick up the phone and he's like, 911, you got to get here. The building is flooding. What had happened was it was so cold for a few weeks. It was like in, in the single or teen digits. And one of our sprinkler pipes froze, Okay. It's not just a water pipe, but a sprinkler pipe. And the the PSI, the pressure of the water, when when it started to warm up, it burst. And then all of a sudden, the whole entire fireplace room was filled with water. All the classrooms were filled with water. It was a Monday. I can still remember We had 21 days of prayer. We were about to go live after we got here, and we turned the water off in about, like, 10 minutes. And I remember Pastor Brandon going live on Facebook Live. He was sitting in the fireplace room. I could still see where he was at. And he's sitting at this table, and he's got his computer all set up. He's ready to go live on Facebook, and he's sitting, in his feet are, like, in four inches of water, Okay? I could, just, I could just picture it right now. And he gets on that Facebook Live and he preaches the greatest devotional and the greatest message that I've ever heard before. And the truth I learned from that moment is this, is the chaos that's happening around you doesn't have to happen inside of you. I well, want you to know that you're part of a church that's excited to surge forward. You're part of a church right now that is ready to launch small groups. You're part of a church that recognizes right now that more than ever, our community and our families need the hope, the gospel transforming message of Jesus Christ. And in fact, I want you to understand this too. No matter what God puts before you, whatever God brought you to, let me tell you this, he's gonna bring you through. And whatever God has brought you to, here's the promise, here's the truth, he's going to bring you through. This is what he does. The walls have been torn down in Jerusalem all these years, 100, 140 years. All these years, these walls have been torn down. These people have been living in despair. But you know how long it took them to rebuild the walls? 52 days. 52 days. You know, when we got that phone call and we came here and there was water everywhere, we immediately called a mitigation company and we were like, hey, we need you to come out. And they're like, listen, this is happening everywhere. Water pipes are are breaking and places are flooding. We won't be able to help you rebuild for another three to six months, they said. We're going to need you to relocate. And I remember our team, Pastor Brandon, being like, we're not going to relocate. And immediately, we got on the phone, and we went on Facebook, and we started putting out messages. And you know what? Within a matter of hours, people from this church showed up, and they gutted out the drywall. They took all the water out. We threw fans on everything. And then in a matter of two days, we began to dry out the building completely. We did moisture checks to make sure it was all dried out. And then a few days later, we started to actually put the drywall back, begin to do the mudding and taping and painting. And how many know that we were actually in church, back in church, the following Sunday? Come on. And I want you to know this is a testimony of what it's like to be a part of a community of faith that's ready to move forward. That even though obstacles are going to come, we recognize and we know that anytime you want to advance, It's inevitable that there's going to be opposition. And today, what I'd like to do is I'd love to close a little differently. i love to close in such a way where we're actually declaring things together because I truly believe that there's some things that we're walking around in our own lives right now that we have been walking around for a very long time. And the Lord says today that the God of heaven, in fact, this is what Nehemiah says to his people. He says, the God of heaven will give us success. How many know that today, that the God of heaven will give us success? Would you stand with me in just this moment? You know, church. I'm thankful I get to to speak. I'm thankful I get to be a part of what God's doing here. But, but I've also, as a Christian, as a pastor's kid, been a pastor for 16 years. I'm I'm also excited because I get to be a part of something that I've never been a part of before. And I'm not I'm not just saying that and being biased because I love this church and I'm, and I'm a part of the team. But. You know, sometimes you say, man, remember the good old days? But sometimes you forget that you're living in the good old days. And you're in the good old days right now. And God is doing some amazing things. And today what I want to do is I want us to declare over our families, over our lives, over our obstacles, over the things, even for this house that we're about to move into, some of the new vision you've been hearing about, even talking about. We're going to have those in February coming up. You're going to get a chance at First Wednesday to hear a little bit more about that. And as the next few months go on, today, no matter what it is, what I want us to do is I want us to recite this, and I want us to recognize that the God of heaven will give us success. So come on, let's say this together. How many know that the God of heaven will give us success? Amen. Let's say it again. That the God of heaven will give us success. And I want you to believe this for your families. I want you to believe this over your marriages. I want to believe this over your relationships, over anything right now that the Lord's placing on your heart, any of the dreams, the visions, the passions that God has given you. Maybe you've had some dreams and some things you've been excited about that have been put to the table for a little while, but right now I want you to know that God is beginning to stir those things back up again. And how many believe this that the God of heaven will give us success? Come on, we say it together that the God of heaven will give us success. Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, that God, you are for us and nothing could be against us, God. That, Lord, we're not fearful of taking advances, God. We're not fearful of moving forward because we know, Lord Jesus, that even though we faced opposition, Lord, that no weapon form they give us against us should prosper. That greater are you working in us, the righteousness of God transforming us, Lord God, the sanctif- this sanctification that's taking place in our lives. God, None of those things can be affected, Lord, because of what you've started inside of us, Jesus. So today, Lord, we recognize and we know, Lord, that you've been faithful since the beginning. You're faithful right now in this moment, and you're gonna be faithful to the end. So God, we will choose not to live in fear. We will choose not to just walk around and get used to our dysfunction. We will choose to move forward. We will choose, Lord God, in this moment right now to say, Lord, even though I'm in despair, even though I'm feeling hopeless, I choose to come to you first. And I choose to say, God, what will you do with this? Well, we give it to you, Lord. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Come on, let's worship together today.